Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, good morning, church. Good to see everybody. everybody. This is a great crowd for a leap forward, or you know, leap. Let's just everybody kind of go like this, you know. Let's, yeah, that's right. Come on, just kind of stretch out. You know, do a little leg stretch. Yeah, that's right. Come on, you guys up, stretch out. I know. Every, you know, this is always a happy place in the lobby. It's always like full of conversation, and it was this morning, but it was a little subdued. Okay. <laughs> hey, hey. All right. Let's imagine, just, I mean, it's just really just an hour, but look what it does, you know. You try to go to bed an hour early, right? Did you try? Wait, no, you didn't try, see? You're know, like, the clock still says it doesn't happen till 2 o'clock. That's when I have to get up and change my clock. And my phone automatically, ah, I'm an hour late. Hey, good to see everybody. How did, uh, and if you're new here to the church, welcome uh, to the vineyard. And my name is Tim, senior pastor here. And we did a little project last week. If you look back on the walls behind you on those panels, you'll see little post-its or little cards. And uh, we were going to do some anonymous serving throughout the week. And I've got some great reports back from a few people on what happened. And did you guys, I mean, did you do your thing? Did you, yeah, was it fun? I mean, did any of you stick around to see what happens when you did? I got some reports back to people who hid. You know, they did nice things for people and then they slid and they were kind of looking, kind of, kind of creepy, but, you know, looking around the corner just to see how they behaved and, and uh, people were just, it probably does more for us, right? It, it, especially when we don't tell anybody, when it's just ourselves and it's just God and we, we do something like that. It, it, it just really is uh, something, there's a whole other area of our heart that opens up that's different than when we normally serve, I think. And I know when I was in here this past week and I prayed over, read every single one of those and prayed over them. And uh, there were a few of them that really kind of brought me to tears. And uh, I, I pray that you guys, if you didn't get to it this last week, get to it this week. Or take a card. There's still some in the back. There's still some in the back. Take one and write what you're going to do for someone. And hang it on the wall so we can continue to pray. So people can continue to serve that way. And uh, we're hitting the home stretch here on our series, Everybody Always, Bob Goff's uh, book and his guide and DVD and all of this that, he's, that he gave to us or offered to us to use. And so um, we're, next week we're going to bring it to a close. It's been a, a fun journey, I think, and uh, I've enjoyed it. And today it's look at what's in your bucket I don't know if you've read that chapter in the book yet or the guide, but uh, look what's in your bucket, thus the bucket. And uh, we're going to be looking at a story of a guy that Jesus came upon and, and said, follow me. And he dropped everything and followed him. And I've always been fascinated at, at stories like that because some of us in this room, it kind of happened like that for us. It's like Jesus suddenly showed up in your life at one moment and and looked at you, and, and, and of course this is somewhat metaphorically in our time, but in, the, in a way through someone or through a message or somehow and said to you, follow me. And life started in a new way from that moment. And it's been going on new ever since then. And today's text is a story about someone 
that that happened to. Something very similar. I've never really just, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I never, even though I've been doing this a long time now, but I have never really understood completely why we quarantine ourselves as Christians. I didn't understand that the first 10 years that I was a Christian. It took the church to teach me I should quarantine myself. Because for the first 10 years of my Christian life, I thought that's why I became a Christian. Was to be able to hang with my friends and to be able for them to see what Christ meant to me so they could learn. And it took the church to teach me that I should separate myself from the people that I love. And... I've been trying to get back to that because I realized that I don't get that in the Bible. And the story that we read today, I think we'll see that when Jesus says, follow me, he didn't mean leave everybody behind. He meant follow me as I go to your children, as I go to your friends. Follow me. Bring them right along with you and let's go together. And so I love this. I love this uh, particular topic this morning because it's something very dear. So let's pray and we're going to look over in Luke 5, the fifth chapter. I'll read it. It's a short story today. Uh, this story is in what they call the synoptic gospels. This story is in all three of them. Uh, Matthew and uh, Mark and Luke. The same story, almost identical. So it's just reinforced, reinforced, and reinforced. Yeah, and so we're going to look at the one in Luke, though. So let me just pray first. Jesus, thank you so much for uh, your kindness to us. Lord, you didn't leave us out there. You came to where we were. You're still coming to where we are. And you're going to go to wherever we go. And you will be there. And Jesus, I pray today for your church. I pray for those of us in here who do know you. To realize, Lord, that you are still going out into the world. And you're still going out to our friends, our family, to the people we know, the people we work with. You are still doing what you did 2,000 years ago. And walking up to people and going, follow me. And so, Lord, we, were just, we just want to be a part of that journey. We want, to, we want to join you in what you're doing. And so, would you teach us from your word today? Would you help me in my weakness, Jesus? Give me the gift of teaching. Give me grace, Lord. Let what you want to be heard, to be heard. I want to hear it deep in my heart. Lord, we want to hear what you have to say. And Holy Spirit, you are the present reality of God. The manifest existence and presence of Jesus here in our midst. The spirit of prophecy right here in our midst is you, Holy Spirit, here. And so we ask for you to come teach us. We ask for you to lead us. And that you would change us today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let's read this. You ready? After this, which means what? Something was going on before it. So you should read before it. All right? It's like, after this. Okay. I uh, wouldn't be in here if we didn't need to read before it. We won't do it, but okay. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi. Matthew uh, also sitting at, the, at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, 
but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. God bless the reading of your word, Jesus. Man, um, I love this story in so many ways. Number one, Jesus has just finished going through. Gosh, he's had such a journey. You know, he's in the fifth chapter there. He's beginning. He calls his disciples and then he heals a man with leprosy. And then there's a guy, his friends want him healed so badly. They would do anything in the world to get their friend to Jesus. And so, you know, they dig through the roof and they drop the guy down right in front of Jesus. It's like this morning, if, if God was healing people in here this morning and they couldn't get in the doors, you'd hear this boring through the ceiling. Like, didn't know, everything coming down on the floor. People are parting and all of a sudden, here comes this guy on a litter, you know, just sliding down right in front of the whole prayer line, you know, right down in front because that's how much his friends loved him. And that's how much they believed Jesus could do something for him. And it was their faith and his faith and them stepping out like that that brought him to that point. And so they dropped him right down. Jesus heals him. And so now it's, it is after this. That's the after this, right? So there's a lot going on. There's this momentum building in Jesus' life. And in the area as he walks and he heals and he talks. And of course, anytime you do anything for God, there's always a pushback. Always. And it came from the religious leaders, the Pharisees, and they're pushing back on this. They don't get it. They, they just don't like it. So they push back and they push back. And you know, Jesus is walking along the road and he comes to this booth. And it's probably just a little table or a little uh, structured, some type of way where people can see that it's official. It's kind of like a toll road booth. In those days, uh, these guys, these uh, tax collectors, were not like our IRS at all. You know, they kind of could have been property tax type of thing. But these guys were in cahoots with the Romans and with the local government to the point that they collected taxes and uses for the bridges and the roads that uh, they wanted to tax. But these guys, these tax collectors, would it was just a great opportunity to rip people off because... The tax collectors could come along and add 30, 40% to it for themselves. There was no law. There was no rule to guide them. And so, you know, they hate the Pharisees, the regular people hated these guys. I mean, here were Jewish guys ripping off their people just to travel a road or to go over a bridge or, or to get somewhere. And so they were hated and despised and and they weren't allowed into the temple because they didn't follow the, the Mosaic laws. And, and so the, these were... Rich, wealthy people and in some ways influential people, but they were very much hated by the regular people, 90% of more of the people. And Jesus is walking by this guy, walking by Levi. He's sitting in his booth. I always wondered, did Jesus pay his toll before he walked on by? Every time I read that, I'm like, did he go, where's the fish? Okay, here, you know. <laughs> here you go, Levi, now follow me. And, uh, but he walked by, he says, follow me. Levi gets up. And though we don't have lots of detail in here, he gets up and he leaves everything, it says. But he didn't leave, a, he didn't leave so much that he couldn't throw a giant party for Jesus that night. Because at his own house, it is in the honor of Jesus, in the honor of the one who called him, in the honor of the one who saved him. And, uh, but who are his friends? I love it because it's, you know, it's the tax collectors and the sinners. I mean, when you're designated a sinner, you know, that's pretty serious. And so all these tax collectors and sinners are gathering. And of course, 
they are, uh, the Pharisees are there to criticize as they always are. Bob Goff uses this term of a bucket because he says in, in his book that he read a children's book one time that talked about you will become what's in your bucket. And he says he carried a bucket around with him on planes and everywhere else for I don't know how long to remind himself and to ask himself, what's in my bucket? Because whatever's in my bucket is what I'm going to give out to others. If I don't have it in there, I don't have it to give. And so when I read this story of Jesus as he moves from healings, as he moves through all of this, you know, obviously in Jesus, his bucket, his bucket was full of kindness and goodness and the presence of God the Father. And he was never, it seems like, in a hurry when it came to people. He was always able to stop and to give what he had. And so, you know, we're going to look at the bucket this morning. Your fill-in, you flip over your handout. It's right there for you. Three fill-ins. Well, there's more than three because I got a few subheadings. I got carried away a little bit. So... I want to look at the power of some of the things that we see in this story. And one, the first one is this. Look at the power of a pause. Of a pause. That moment when Jesus stops. He stops there at Levi. He takes some time. The power of a pause. After this, after all that had gone on. After everything that Jesus had done up to that point. He, you know, he goes out and he sees a tax collector by the name of Levi. Knows him by name at his tax booth. And, um, I mean, how many of us in here would say we're real busy? Let's be honest. How many of you say, like, don't, hey, do you thinking this is a, this is a trick question? Okay. It, it, kind of. That's why you hold it. <laughs> but, you know, all of us would go, man, I'm so busy. I'm just so busy. I'm just going from one thing to the other. You know, we get hijacked by our busyness and we don't have any spaces. We don't have any time in there and, and we just keep moving along. And John Hopkins University did a study just uh, two years ago. And um, did any of you guys have, ever use your stopwatch on your phone? Have you ever pressed it and just watched it? I know you can't see from there. You see how fast that's going? I mean, it's just, if you watch that, you will get so angst-ridden. <laughs> you watch those hundreds of a second slipping by like that, and you're like, I'm just sitting down. That's all I know. And, and you're like, oh my gosh, my life is like freaking going, but I can't keep up with that. And uh, I mean, look at that, 23 seconds is gone since I just turned this on. And we feel like we're so busy, we can't stop, we got to move, we, we don't have time for anything. And that, you know, the study says that there's a habitual stress in our brains when we live like that. That it actually stresses our brain to the point that it shrinks our brain. And uh, that's why you hear something rattling around when you do this. It's your brain hurting <laughs> side to side. You know, it shrinks your brain. And the truth is, you're not as busy as you think you are. That's the truth. Did you know Americans have more free time than any generation ever before? Right now. We spend more time with our children than any generation has ever spent with their children. Our perception of time is warped because of that. Because it's going, going, going. It's like toxic time. 
I mean, we believe we should be able to do and have everything. And that creates this unreal and unhealthy context for judging time. So I'm so busy because I have to have this. I got to go here. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. And then we don't. We're not. And we have plenty of time. And this, this uh, study called it the tyranny of expectation. <laughs> you know, what we expect of ourselves, of our time, of one another. The tyranny of expectation. And uh, one scientist said, we think we don't have free time when we actually do. We're simply fretting it away mindlessly in front of a screen. Bang, 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 bang. Just roll, 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 roll. A quote is that the guiding force behind our findings is that if you wait for the opportune moment, it simply never comes. There is no strong argument for delaying. None. In 1948, you said, I have to work so hard. In 1948, we worked an average of 42.8 hours. In 2017, it's 38.7 it's, our, it's the way we look at things. We have time. We have just, we have more time than we've ever had. But because of that tyranny of expectation of what we think we should be doing and we have to do, it puts this unrealistic kind of a, a paradigm in our lives, this screen that we filter everything through where I just don't have enough time. I, if I had more time, if I had more time, you have more time. You do. I do. We do. We have more time. People who said they worked 75 hours a week Someone followed them around and found out they were 25 hours a week off. They felt like they were working 75 hours a week because their brain was processing the information. The stopwatch was running and they didn't think they had enough time for people. For situations that they could be involved in. No, I don't. I'm working 75 hours a week. And then someone followed them around the whole week and it was, 20, it was 50 hours. Not 75 Perception is reality a lot of times, right? That's, that's how we justify a lot of our, you know, the way we do and the way we don't do is our perception of that reality. When in fact, when in fact we have more time than we realize. More time than we realize. Most of our busyness is right here. Right there. It's like that, the hundreds. On the stop clock. That is just. Just watching that thing makes me do this. Because <laughs> I feel like I want to grab it. And hold it. And pull it back. And slow it down. So it's a perception. So I got three little things for you to fill in on the bottom here. Okay. This is a little bit of a. I guess this is levity of sorts. But you know, put some flow in your go. <laughs> Put some flow in your go. You know, there's a flow. There's ebb and flow. There's like rhythm to life. There's times when it speeds up. Recognize that. All right, I'm riding a wave. I'm, this is, you know, it's speeding up. I've got a lot to get done. But don't stay on the wave forever. Matter of fact, you won't stay on the wave forever. You're not meant to be on the wave forever. It's going gonna, it's gonna to begin to ebb. And when it does, when it starts to back off, you're going to keep paddling like it. the wave is still going. Because you think you don't have enough time. Put some flow in your go and feel it. Slow down. Take advantage of it. And let it pick up. 
Go with the rhythms of your life. Realize that nothing is steady, steady, steady like that. No one can live like that and be healthy forever. You can't. Put some flow in your go and rein it back. Put some space in your race. <laughs> put some space in the race. I mean, put some distance between you and the car next to you or the runner next to you. I mean, put some space there. You do have the time to do that. Take a deep breath. You know, and that's your next one. Put some rest in your quest. I mean, <laughs> come on. We're not happy people when we're paddling for waves that have already passed us. I mean, we're not happy when we're staying at the peak of that all the time and we're making like in our brains we have to stay that busy. We're angst-filled, nervous people and we miss so many opportunities when we live like that. And you know, if the statistics, because I like numbers and I like statistics, when I see these things, I go, what's the reality? We do have more time. And I know, I know what some of you are thinking. Yeah, but I'm not normal. My life is different. I live a very high-level life, and there's so much more expected out of me, to which I will say, whatever. Um, why don't you get someone to follow you around for, for like a week? Get someone to follow you around for a week and, and video you everywhere you go and, and watch the time on it. Or do like we used to do. Years ago, we started another church and all of us got together and we decided we'd give an account for every penny we spent in our families. So we all got a notebook, all of us in this men's group. We sat down together and we pledged we would do it for the next two months. We, I mean, we kept account of every single penny because all of us were going, oh man, we don't have enough money to start a church. You know, we just don't have enough. And at the end of the month, we got together and we looked at what we had. And we realized how much we were just frivolously just throwing away. It's here, folks. Most of that time stress is right here. It's not in the day. We have time. Jesus had time. <laughs> Jesus was a busy man. But he still had time. He had time to go to stop at a tax collector's booth. There was power in that pause, in that moment when he slowed down enough from going from healing people, these amazing things, miraculous people, the crowds are beginning to build to follow him and he's walking along the road and he stops at the guy that wants to rip him off with the money and he says, Levi, Matthew, you, follow me. He had time. The power of a pause, the minute you slow down for a minute, take your eyes off the stopwatch, and slow down for someone. There's power in that pause. Right in that moment. Look in your bucket. Look at your clock. Stop it. Just stop those hundreds of a second. And those tenths of a second. Or minutes rather. Flying by. Stop them. Just stop it. It's a perception of time. So put some flow in your go. Put some space in your race. Put some rest in your quest. And now look. In uh, Luke 5, 27, 28, Jesus says to him, Follow me. And Levi got up and left everything and followed him. In this moment, what I saw was the power of a pull. The power of a pull. You know, like I said when I started this, in the early days of, our, of me being a Christian, I... Uh, All I 
wanted to do was throw this over to my friends like that and do this. Come on. Come on. Grab it. Grab it. Grab it. Grab it. <laughs> you know? Come on. Come on. Come on. Grab it. Grab it. Grab it. Grab it. Grab it. Did you know every one of you got a rope like that in your life? Every single one of you do. Every one of you have an area around you, a people around you who watch you, who love you, who may be like inquisitive about who you are, what makes you tick, why are you the way you are. And in Jesus' life, there was enough pull in his life that when he came along by Levi and he said, follow me, Levi latched on. And here we go. The power of pull in all of our lives. Every one of us have it. Um, like I said, this is, I love church. We, I, we've given our lives to it. I mean, this is for the last, what, honey, 40 years? Uh, July will be 40 years since I was ordained. And, you know, the first 10 years of that was, to me, I was just as ordained as I was after I got the papers, you know, because Jesus said to Tim Holt, follow me. That was the ordination <laughs> right there. That was, that was God's call to come on. Follow me. That was it. It's led to this, and I'm grateful. I'm very grateful. And I, I believe this is what God has called us to do for the last four decades. Absolutely. But the pull's the same. But the thing is, with, with getting so involved in becoming a professional Christian, is that we forget about the pull. And we don't need much pull in here, do we? I mean, look around this room. We all love each other. We love Jesus. I mean, we come in and, I mean, I love this. But none of us would be in here if it wasn't for the power of the pool. Somebody, somewhere, said, follow me. And you, you grabbed a hold of it and you moved on. And we still throw the rope out here. I'm getting ready to in a few minutes. I want to throw the rope out. And whoever's out here, I'm, I'm saying, come on. Come on. Let's go. Follow. Follow us as we follow Jesus. Like Paul said, right? That's what Paul said. Follow me. You know, as I follow Jesus. Follow us. Let's go. This is what we're trying to do here at the vineyard. We're trying to follow Jesus. But look, out there, out there in the world that Jesus says that he came and he died for, out there in the world where every one of you guys get to throw this out, I still try to stay in contact with all of my friends. I do the best I can. But I'm inside the church. I mean, I'm a senior pastor. I've been for a long time. You know, I'm in here, but I still try to stay connected because I'm still throwing that rope out. But you guys, don't ever let professional Christianity rob you of the rope in the pool. Don't do it. Don't let it. Look, every one of you, I look out here and I see so many professions and I see people with so many different jobs. And I was sitting here pray, uh, worshiping a while ago and I thought, you know, I could prophesy over so many of you right now and calling forth from you and saying God's got you exactly doing what he wants you to do right where you should be. And you should have some confidence in God. That he's got you there. Yeah, for you so you can be happy and so other people can be happy. But for the kingdom of God. For the kingdom of God's sake. And so there is pull where you are. Man, hard for me to get away from you. Yeah, I could tell you a story. Uh, <laughs> that's the thing about doing this. For, I got some stories. Um, you know, not too. It wasn't that long ago. An old friend called me and was, well, actually someone that loved him called me. 
Actually, I called them. Let me get the story right. <laughs> Actually, I tried to call them and the loved one answered the phone and they were going through a difficult time. And, um, and so I said, should I come over? What should I do? And, and they said, please. And it was one of those moments in the rope where this person I had shared Jesus with a long time ago, but kept in touch, you know, down through the years, though they'd moved away long ago. And, and, uh, and so I made my way to them. It took me, got there to where they lived. And, you know, and they were just in a bad spot. In a bad spot. But to me, it was the rope going right past them again. It was my, it was, I had to slow down, right? The power of a pause. I had to stop what I was doing in that moment. And I had to give myself to this. Because it was a pull in that. And, you know, and I want you to, I want you to get this too. When I say the power of a pause, Jesus is so crazy, isn't it? I mean, Jesus didn't go. Now, you may need to do this at times. But let's sit down and go over, like, what it's going to look like for you, okay? Let's go over, uh, this is the way you're going to have to behave. This is what you're going to have to give up. Uh, and look, you know, these friends of yours, dude, man, you've got to find a new playground. You know, there's no way... You cannot hang out with them anymore. I mean, Jesus, Mr. Efficiency, follow me. What kind of altar call is that? I mean, seriously? That takes a how long? Do we need to put the stopwatch on? Follow me. Like, talking about economy of time. Follow me. You know, Jesus loves your friends and your family and you so much more than you do. And he can do so much more in their lives with just your cooperation of being there. And pausing in the moment. And being there at that time. I did get to pray with this person. We did have, find a, a very beautiful moment in the midst of a very heart-wrenching situation. And, and I, my prayers are still that that seed is growing in them. And going to bring fruit. But it was the power of the pause in that moment. With a rope that was thrown out years ago. Don't stop throwing the rope out. There's power in the pool in every one of your life. The New Testament has a, a term oikos. It's like your realm, your, the people around you that you have influence with. Every one of you in here have it. You have some people around you. Don't say to me, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I, nobody wants to hang out. Yes, you do. You have people that are around you. You have people that love you. You have people that see you wherever you go. There are people in that group. You have influence. And it, sometimes that power of that pause is going to need to be exerted. Look in your book, bucket. Do you have time? Will you make time? Will you put pause on the clock? <laughs> will you hit the stopwatch and stop it? Just stop it for a moment. And then will you realize, realize in yourself that God has done, God saved me. God revealed his grace and his mercy to me. That's a deposit, a rich deposit. Of influence and power. The Holy Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead. It's living in us. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> I mean seriously. Have you ever just kind of sat around and gone. <laughs> oh man. Jesus is just Holy Spirit. Come on. <laughs> Come on. I mean that's you friends. That's you. Every moment of every day on your job, in school, in your dorm, in your neighborhood. 
It's the Holy Spirit in you. And in you is the pull of God. And so don't doubt that, man. Don't, don't, don't. I, one other story. Um, <laughs> when we got married, the manager of our band came to our wedding. And he was a, man, I remember he had this, I don't know what kind of shirt it was. Had all these ruffles, all the silk pants and, you know. And his hair was like down here, and he just kind of walking in, like, and he was a real, a real wild man. And uh, I left the band a couple of years after uh, I became a Christian. You know, one another thing I kind of regret, and uh, because I was the only Christian in the band, and and so it was a little, little rough, some of the places we went, <laughs> and uh, and so uh, anyway, I kept I kept the rope out. His name was Eddie, and I kept the rope out to Eddie. And I kept doing this. I'm like, Eddie, come on, man. Follow Jesus. Come on. And he told me, you know, he says, I've got one more thing I've got to do, Tim. And, and I'm going to sit down and listen to you. And so he calls me one winter. And I go right over here to a hotel, right on the boulevard. Middle of the winter then. Nobody was around in Myrtle Beach. You could drive down the boulevard, see nobody. This is the 70s, right? And uh, so, like, I mean, I pull into this hotel. Nobody's in the hotel but Eddie. I go upstairs. I opened the hotel door, and there is more dope in that room. It is stacked up against the walls that high. Everything from heroin to weed to cocaine to pills. I mean, I immediately started freaking out like, Jesus freak, arrested at hotel for I could see it, you know. <laughs> you know, in sun news right there. And I was like, I just started shaking. I was like, oh, my God. I mean, I'm looking out, out in the parking lot like, oh, no, the Myrtle Beach police are going to slide in here at any time. So I'm slamming the door shut. And I'm like, Eddie, what the heck? What are you involved in? You know, and, and Eddie's like, man, one more run. One more run. One more run. And I'm getting out, Tim. And then I'm going to sit down. And we're going to talk about God. One more run. One more run. Yeah, the last. That was his last run. His last one. His last one. And we don't hear stories like this much anymore. But, you know, somebody killed Eddie like two weeks later over that drug deal. And when we were at his funeral and we're standing there around that grave, I thought about that. You know what? Don't hesitate to throw the line out. Don't do it. There are people around you, folks. Every single one of you in here have pull. Every one of you. All of you. Look with kindness in your friends' eyes. Look at them. Love them. Be there for them. Don't separate yourself from them. Keep connected to them because you may be the lifeline and your pause in their life can make the difference. Don't do it. So, put some passion in your action. Put some passion in your action. That's your story. Everybody's got a story. Everybody does. Put some passion in your action. Put some resurrection expectation in your everyday sway. <laughs> yeah. How do you like that one? That took me like four seconds to come up with. All right. You know? I mean, Easter is coming. Resurrection expectation. I mean, if God raised Jesus from the dead and the power of the Holy Spirit and he lives in you, come on. Expect great things from God in your life. Expect that and put some trust in your influence. Quit saying I'm nothing. All right, I don't believe in that theology. I don't. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's who you are. God has made you righteous and in 
perfect standing with God the Father. He has invested his very presence and Holy Spirit in your life and left you here on planet earth that he loves and came and died for to be a part of his story. Don't write yourself off. Don't write yourself off. Last one, I got to hurry. We got to do communion here. All right. Third one is in Luke 5, 29 says, Then Levi held a great banquet. I love the response for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor. <laughs> But the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. There is power in your past. Look at what Levi did. The power of a past. You know what? Every now and then you need to take the mirror out and look behind you. Look behind you. From where you've been and who you've been with. And just keep, don't, don't always look that way. Take a look back. Who's back there? Who is back there? The power of a pause. The power of a pull. Who's back there following you? You know what Levi did? Levi throws a party for Jesus, but who's his only friends? The nutcases, the crazy people. I mean, it was, you know what? It was the people ripping everybody off, right? It was the rowdy group. That's the only friends he had. So who was he going to invite to the party? How many of you threw a party for Jesus when you came to know Jesus and invited all your rowdy friends? How many of you have gotten, come to know Jesus and gone down to the bar that you used to hang out and go, rounds on Jesus? <laughs> Rounds on Jesus, I'm paying. They what? Let me tell you the story, man. <laughs> you know? What if we had 150, 300, 400, 500 people doing stuff like that in Myrtle Beach? What if we did? What if we did? Man, there's power in your past. Put some confidence in your repentance, in your turning. Put some confidence in the fact that God has done a good work in you and he's continuing to do a good work. That he is able to keep what is committed to him daily in prayer. As you give yourself, he's going to keep you. Have some confidence in his work in your life. Put some optimism in your vision. I can make a difference. I am making a difference. I've got people in my past. I've got people following me, people alongside. And I have enough time to do something about it. I do. And put some expectation in your salvation. It's just not pray the prayer and go home. It's pray the prayer and come on. Not pray the prayer and go home. It's pray the prayer and come on. That was it. Come on. This is a life. While the band comes back up and we prepare to, to receive communion. If you, haven't, if you didn't receive a communion cup, could you raise your hand so... People could make sure you have one. You may have heard this story before. Uh, it's, it's a bit old, but it's still one of the best, most touching stories I've ever heard. A guy named Tony Campolo years ago, a sociologist, preacher, was in Hawaii, Honolulu, Hawaii, for a meeting. Uh, it was 2.30 in the morning. There was no place open for him to eat. He just wanted a coffee and a donut or something, and so he found this sleazy bar to go into, cafe to go into, to, and he asked the guy, he said it was really, you need to read the story, but uh, the book is called The Kingdom of God is a Party, and uh, he went in, and he got a donut, and he got a cup of coffee, and he says at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning, through the doors burst all of the prostitutes that worked the streets. They all fled into their, in there, and, and Tony says, so uncomfortable, they were crude, they were rude. And he said, two of them plopped down right beside him. And they're carrying on and carrying on. And 
Finally, one of them, a girl named Agnes, says, Tomorrow is my birthday. I'll be 39 years old. And her friends start making fun of her. What do you want? A cake? Just start ribbing her, making fun of her. And she says, no, nah, why do you have to be like that? She says, I don't want a cake. I've never had a cake. I've never had a birthday party ever. Why, why are you picking on me? And the minute that Tony heard that, the lights went off. Ooh, birthday party. So when they left, he looked at the cook. And he goes, hey, what did we have a birthday party? To, to, he said, do they come in here every night? He says, every night, 2.30. He said, what did we have a birthday party for Agnes tomorrow night? He says, I'll, I'll fix the room up and I'll bring a cake. He says, I like it. I like it. He calls his wife out from the back. She says, beautiful. No, we'll cook the cake. That's my gig. We'll cook the cake. So the next night, Tony comes in. He decorates the whole room with happy birthday Agnes all over it. And she walks 3 o'clock. And all they hear is, happy birthday, Agnes. And they come out with the cake. She is wrecked. Totally wrecked. And the cook goes, well, Agnes, blow the candles out. Blow the candles out. Or I'm going to have to blow them out because we want to cut the cake. We want to eat it. And she goes, is it okay? Is it okay if I hang on to the cake for a while? I just take it home and hang on to it for a while. And he goes, yeah, Agnes, that's, that'll be good. And so Agnes takes the cake and she took it home. And Tony said he didn't know what to do, so he just said, let's pray. <laughs> like some of us don't know. And he prayed and then the cook looked at him and said, you didn't tell me you were a preacher. <laughs> and he goes, what kind of preacher are you? And Tony goes, uh, I'm the kind of preacher that belongs to a church that makes birthday cakes for whores at 3 o'clock in the morning. To have a church like that would change our community. Jesus invited us to a table. And you may never have called yourself that, but some of us were so far away from God and how far away from God does it take to be away from God, you know? <laughs> how far away do you have to be to be too far away? And Jesus looked at his best friends and he took this bread out and he threw a party for them right before he was crucified. Knowing there was someone that was going to betray him in that room. Knowing that his best friend in that room was going to deny he even knew him in just a few hours. And yet he lifted up the birthday cup. He lifted up the birthday cake. And he looked at his friends. And he said, this is for you. This is for you. What I'm about to do is for you. But when you do this in the future, I want you to remember me. Remember what I've done for you. This is his body. Broken for us. Eat in remembrance of him. Likewise, he said, the rounds are on me. <laughs> Lifted the cup up, said, come and drink. This is the cup of a new covenant, a new beginning. For the forgiveness of your sins, drink in Jesus' name. Let's stand, y'all.
Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.